Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Kate uh, Rayum. She is a naturopathic doctor, and we're discussing her book, uh, Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox, How a Little-Known Vitamin Could Save Your Life. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, Rebecca. Um, so, what, what inspires you to write this book? Well, I came across some research about vitamin K2 a number of years ago, and I was fascinated because after all my training as a naturopathic doctor, I had never heard of this nutrient, and it seemed to have some pretty profound health benefits. The earliest papers I came across were for cancer research, and then later on so many more, and yet people weren't aware of it, and and nobody was speaking about it, and I realized that this represented such an important missing piece to the puzzle of health for so many people that I thought it deserved to be better known and have a book. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad you did write this. I, you know, I've, I've done some research myself, but it, it was, your book is very concise. It's very easy to follow and is actually very important. Um, and I'm, I'm going to let you explain why it's important that, that we understand about vitamin K. But, you know, you're right. Um, there, nobody talks about it. I mean, it's getting a little more pressed now, but it still doesn't have the, the importance that it, it should tie to it. And so um, I guess I'll just get you to explain what is the, the calcium paradox? Well, the calcium paradox is a situation in which Calcium really is a double-edged sword. There's been so much emphasis on calcium. So many people take calcium supplements. And even a doctor, for example, who wouldn't recommend a multivitamin to their patient will recommend the patient takes calcium and vitamin D just across the board. And yet it is this double-edged sword in that we absolutely need calcium in our bodies, but we need to be in the right places. And if it ends up in the wrong places, which it tends to do, it can accumulate in soft tissues like arteries, and uh, heel spurs, kidney stones, all, all kinds of areas in the body, then it can be dangerous and even deadly. And so keeping, keeping calcium in its place is critically important, and vitamin K2 is the nutrient that does that. Well, you know, um, you're, you're right across the board. There is, um, if people are a little bit aware of health, they're always taking their calcium. And, you know, they're, they're very concerned about not getting enough calcium, but, you know, I know that there, there are some studies that show that we actually in North America have more bone density issues than anywhere else in the world, yet we consume more calcium. So what, what's happening with that? Why, why are we getting more calcium but, but, you know, falling and breaking our hips and, and having osteoporosis more than other people? Well, there's a few reasons for that, and a big one is that calcium is absolutely not the be-all and end-all when it comes to bone health. In other words, we look at, say, bone health, osteoporosis, and we see, okay, calcium's missing from the bones, and then we blame the calcium and say, okay, we'll take more calcium because calcium's missing, which superficially seems plausible, but in fact, we need to be looking at what actually keeps the calcium in our bones, because you're right, we take in a lot of calcium And the body regulates our calcium levels very, very strictly. Uh, To be low in calcium is is almost impossible. We need this for our 
you know, our heart to beat and our, our muscles and nerves to function. And so if it's not in our bones, it's, it's not calcium's fault. And ultimately, we're lacking the nutrients that keep calcium in its place. Vitamin D helps us absorb calcium. We know that deficiency of that is common. And even more importantly, vitamin K2 will then take that calcium and direct it into the bones once it's been absorbed. And we know that we're lacking in that. number of studies have shown that vitamin K2 deficiency is widespread. Well, you know, it, 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 in your book, you have this analogy that, um, you know, really helped to understand this, where you said if, you're, if you want to put gas in your car, you don't just spray it all over your car because that's not going to get you anywhere and it's going to cause problems. But you actually put it into the gas tank and you fill the place where the gas goes. That's exactly right. And so the analogy there is when we take calcium, but we don't have vitamin K2, yes, vitamin D will help us absorb calcium, but once the calcium is absorbed... Vitamin D has no control over where it goes. So some might get into your bones, but we absolutely know that, and and again, this is with or without vitamin D, that calcium can then deposit in all kinds of areas around the body, and that can really be a problem. Well, okay, so what what problems do arise when calcium is not going where it's supposed to go? Well, when calcium isn't where it's supposed to be, of course, we then have low bone density. Our bones become more porous and brittle, leading to osteoporosis, and fractures become more common. And uh, bone hip fractures in particular are really serious and have serious implications. On the flip side, where calcium is building up in areas that it shouldn't be, this can range from everything from mild and minor, you know, heel spurs, bone spurs, you know, crunchy bits of calcium that build up here and there to more serious things like kidney stones to very serious things like coronary artery disease, which is deadly. And so uh, there's lots of problems when calcium is not in the right places. Well, you know, and this is things that um, seem to happen to almost everybody. I mean, as we get older, we, we have these, these problems. And, and if I'm understanding you right, um, it's just because we're not, we're not getting the, the correct nutrients. Exactly. The body actually has a very sophisticated mechanism to deal with this calcium problem because we've always had to deal with it, but that mechanism relies on certain nutrients, and vitamin K2 is the most important one to direct calcium, make sure that the calcium in the body is going to the right places and not ending up in the wrong places. So, um, now you mentioned vitamin D, so uh, let, let's talk about that a little bit, because we all know that. We all know that we should take vitamin D, especially here in Canada, where, you know, we get no sunlight most of the year, or, or we're covered up. Um, so, it, I mean, I thought that we were just supposed to take vitamin D, but what you're saying is it's more complex than that? Definitely. And we know that vitamin D deficiency is widespread and has lots of health benefits, and we need to keep our vitamin D levels up. But... In particular, when it comes to this, well, bone health as well as other aspects of health, vitamin D does work in conjunction with vitamin K2. And as a matter of fact, by taking vitamin D, you're creating more of a need in the body for vitamin K2. So again, you know, on a very basic level, vitamin D will help us absorb calcium. But if you can't put that calcium in the right places, then it could end up depositing. We we don't see a lot of vitamin D toxicity per se, but... When you do see it, it does manifest as this inappropriate calcium deposition in the body. Hmm. So, so what what has happened that we? I mean, we all understand why we're deficient in vitamin D. It is actually because we're not outside as as much as we used to be, um, and we're covered up when we are because we're afraid to get you know that extra sunlight. 
Um, and so our lifestyles have, have created that. But with, with vitamin K, I mean, I would assume that there was a point in time where we didn't need to supplement that. So what, what's happened that this has become so deficient? Mm-hmm. Two main things. So the main sources of vitamin K2, well, the two only sources where we can get it from in our diets are number one, grass-fed foods. So when animals, cows, chickens, pigs, for example, are out on the pasture eating grass, then the fat of the, you know, the, those animal foods, so egg yolks and butter and these kinds of things, those will be high in vitamin K2. So when we removed animals from the pasture and confined them to grain feeding, our vitamin K2 intake took a huge hit at that time. So that's one thing. The other source of vitamin K2 foods is certain types of fermented foods. So some but not all bacteria can make vitamin K2. So the refrigerator really hasn't been our friend in this department because we don't eat as many fermented foods as we used to. Uh, This whole concept of eating fresh fruits and vegetables all the time or as a basis of a healthy diet is really just not something we could do before we had fridges in our homes. And we used to eat a lot more fermented foods, and those were, in many cases, good sources of vitamin K2. So those two reasons, uh, you know, it's made a big shift in our diet, and our intake of K2 has really gone down because of it. So I want to talk a little bit more about the, um, each parameter of that. So with, with the grass-fed food, um, you know, I... I, I would assume that that has also changed because we're, you know, our our cattle sometimes they don't go outside if we're having the the huge factory foods and and that kind of thing. So it is that, it, and there's a huge movement to change that. But of course, I mean, it costs more. So then, you know, it's not as available to us if we're, you know, on a budget or that kind of thing. Um, and it can be harder to find, I find as well, depending on where you're located. So um, is there um, anything else that we need to know about, about the, like, the grass-fed animals aside from that? You're right. You know, there are, are it, grass-fed is challenging for lots of reasons. I mean, just logistically in the wintertime, it's just not an option for, in many parts of the, the country or, you know, many parts of the world where there's a winter. So that is challenging. And you're right, there is a big movement back towards grass-fed animal foods for lots of reasons, because it's higher in all kinds of nutrients, not just vitamin K2, but essential fatty acids and other kinds of vitamins and minerals. Um, But they are challenging to get and come by and to afford. And so that's where alternatives such as certain, certain types of fermented foods or a supplement become really helpful. So I actually, my mom got excited when I was uh, reading your book. I showed her your chapter on the, the eggs. Um, just last year, she got her own chickens. This is part of her retirement right. to live off the land and have her own everything. And um, she, her, her chickens get um, wheatgrass that she grows herself and fermented food. <laughs> So oh. her her eggs are different than any eggs I've ever experienced. Um, you know, the yolk is is orange, um, and the whites are almost like Jello before they're cooked. Mm-hmm. And, yes, it's, you know, it makes a really difference, big difference in the quality of both parts of the egg. Yeah, and so I mean, uh, I make an effort to get them, um, you know, grass fed um, eggs. Um, from you know the store, but they're not the same as, as what she's growing, and I can definitely see that. I mean, there's a lot more love that goes into her, you know, little um, chickens that she has as opposed to a, a big farm. Um, but but there there is a difference in our food when we look at when we all used to have our own chickens, and you know they were growing like that as opposed to the the factory aspect of everything. 
Oh, there's no doubt. And just with regards to vitamin K2, for example, you'd have to eat about a dozen store-bought eggs per day to get a worthwhile amount of vitamin K2 from that source. There is a smidgen in there. But two of your mom's eggs, for example, or a truly grass-fed egg per day at the right time of the year would give you lots of vitamin K2. Well, she'll be happy to know that, especially with her age. <laughs> so um, she's trying to get, you know, things through food. Um, now, there's also, uh, you talk about the grass-fed butter, which is, is making a, a bit of um, uh, press um, lately. There's the, the Bulletproof coffee, and everybody's talking about grass-fed butter, but it is, it is hard to come by. And you talk about parameters to look for with it as well. I think you say, is it how spreadable is your butter? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Truly grass-fed butter should be soft and spreadable right out of the fridge even, for example, that just because of the fatty acid profile that you find in that. And you're absolutely right. This is also something that's really challenging to find and can be very, very expensive. It's delicious. If you can find it, it's wonderful. Um, but that's one that is a challenge for sure. Well, you know, I, I think with the... Um I mean, this isn't about the coffee part, but, um, you know, when the, the butter craze, putting butter in your coffee came about, I thought, well, what, what's the difference anyway? And I tried just regular organic butter, and it is not the same at all. And putting the, the grass-fed butter in my coffee actually is delicious. And it, there is a different taste. There's a different color and a different texture, for sure, in that. And, and you know, you talk in your book about how um, it it was just difficult to ship because the butter was so soft. And so we changed that. That's right. It, butter was changed in the, the, what was fed to the cows to make the butter more solid and harder and easier to ship really decreased the nutrition of it. Um, so we, and we paid the price really for that. So is this where, um, you know, butter um, has gotten a bad rap? Um, is it just because we have modified it and it's causing problems? Well, butter got a bad rap for no good reason at all, mostly due to junk science, for sure. But there is an aspect of, yes, the quality of our butter depends on what the our animals are eating, so what the cows are eating that goes into that butter. And that's where things become a little tricky because we can't not necessarily control or sometimes even verify exactly what they're eating. Um, but there are ways to tell once you get used to it, you know, the flavor and the texture of truly grass-fed butter, if it's the real thing. Uh, you know, that um, definitely makes sense to me. We are going to take a quick break. Um, we're, today we're discussing the book Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox, How a Little-Known Vitamin Could Save Your Life, and we'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events 
to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Kate Rayom. She's the author of Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox. So, um, so, so Dr. Kate, we talked a lot about um, where the vitamin K2 came, um, but we also know that, that there's, there's more that we need to talk about, about why this is so important that, you know, we're, we don't have access to it anymore. Um, so, can you just explain how vitamin K can uh, affect our heart? Mm-hmm. There's lots of importance for vitamin K2 and heart health. It's been really an overlooked nutrient, you know, for heart health. The main way and the simplest way that it affects our heart health is by reducing the calcium load in our soft tissues. So when we talk about hardening of the arteries, people, you know, hear that term, which is, you know, a common term for atherosclerosis, this hardening literally is coming from calcium. That can build up on the microscopic level on the tissues, the elastic tissues in the blood vessel walls, causing the arteries themselves to become stiff. And vitamin K2 has been shown in clinical trials to reverse this arterial stiffness and restore arterial flexibility. So that's one thing. But there's also the calcium plaque buildup that you can get in arteries. So coronary heart disease, which is the cause of heart attacks and you know, the leading uh, killer for men and women in North America, it's um, characterized by this calcium plaque uh, burden. And as a matter of fact, if you get a, a specialized type of CT scan to measure how much calcium is in your arteries, that is an excellent predictor of your risk of heart attack, much more so than, say, cholesterol levels, which aren't good predictors of whether or not you're going to have a heart attack at all. So the fact that K2 can lower this calcium burden makes it extremely important for heart health. So are you saying that if somebody um, has uh, atherosclerosis, which is a hardened artery, that they can reverse that simply by taking vitamin K? 
yeah, clinical trials have absolutely shown this, that you can lower both this arterial stiffness as well as various markers of arterial calcification so you can lower this calcium burden. And, and it sounds amazing uh, and it sounds incredible, but as I was saying before, the body has a system of dealing with calcium, getting it out of the places where it shouldn't be because it's, it's always had to deal with this problem, uh, but it needs vitamin K2 to activate that system and then it does work. That's, you know, that's amazing. I mean, this is, um, like, like I said earlier, these are, we're talking about issues that are very widespread in our society. And, um, you know, it's this simple that, you know, we're missing the nutrients from our food and we either change our food or we supplement it, which just seems very, you know, very easy. <laughs> it is amazing. And of course, there's a, a few other nutrients that are helpful, like magnesium and essential fatty acids, but K2 has been such an important and overlooked one that plays this fundamental role of getting the calcium out of there. Uh, it's just critically important. So, um, of course, most people are, are probably realizing we're going to talk about bone health because we're talking about calcium. So can you just explain the relationship there? Mm-hmm. So, again, as I was saying before, vitamin D will help us absorb calcium, and then K2 will direct it into the bones and help keep it there, which is so important. And, and again, if, if calcium is missing from the bones, we've got low bone density osteoporosis, it's not calcium's fault that the bones can't hold on to the calcium. So just taking more calcium uh, is really not helpful, and it, and it can have downsides for sure. So vitamin K2 has been shown to work with vitamin D to improve bone density more than either nutrient alone. And it also seems to affect other aspects of bone health that we don't always measure in these bone density scans, for, for example, like, um, you know, different aspects of bone strength, for example, bone microarchitecture, these kinds of things. So really important for helping the, the bones hold the calcium in the right place. So when when I was growing up, I remember hearing that, you know, at a young age, you're actually building your bones and determining what that's going to look like. Now, is that um, accurate and is that something that we can change if, if we don't do a good enough job? Well, we definitely do, you're right, build our bone density up until our 20s, as a matter of fact. And this is why it's actually vitamin K2 has become so important in adolescence and And we know, in fact, that adolescents are one of the most K2 deficient groups um, that's been shown in in studies. So building bone density up to the 20s really is important, and that creates a foundation for what you're going to have then later on in life. That's not to say for sure if you haven't built up a good foundation by that time that all is lost, you may be more challenged to keep your bone density later on, but there's still things we can do. And the body, for example, still responds to vitamin K2 throughout life to affect many different aspects of bone metabolism. You know, that's encouraging to hear because, you know, especially when I was growing up, we didn't have grass-fed butter and we didn't have, you know, the right eggs. And we thought um, eating calcium and taking calcium was all you needed. This was even before, you know, people understood vitamin D. So, um, you know, it's it's good to know that that's something that we can continue to work on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's always, you know, the body has such an amazing healing capacity and it's the things that we would think of as being incurable or, you know, are just inevitably part of, you know, they're going to progress or get worse with age are often 
long-term nutrient deficiencies, for example. And so by providing those nutrients, we can overcome and mitigate and minimize a lot of those chronic conditions. So um, w- one thing I found fascinating was your discussion about dental health. Um, you know, uh, can you just explain what the vitamin K deficiency does to mm-hmm. our jaw and our teeth? Yeah, this was some of the most interesting research to me as well, Rebecca, and I find it's one area where modern research hasn't even started really to catch up to some of the historical evidence and research around dental oral health when it comes to vitamin K2. It works on a number of different levels. Very simply, when we have enough vitamin K2 in the body and in our diets, it will concentrate, in in one of the areas it will concentrate is in the saliva glands, and then it essentially gets squirted out into the mouth onto your teeth and helps keep your teeth clean and healthy, helping with um, cavity prevention and protection and cleaning the plaque off the teeth. A lot of people, when they start taking vitamin K2, they'll report, you know, the plaque comes off and their teeth feel clean and slick again, and it is really interesting nutrients. Since then, there's been um, some studies published about different mechanisms, more complex ones for vitamin K2 and dental oral health, but it absolutely is a super important nutrient for cavity prevention and protection at all ages, especially in kids. Um, which who, who wants a cavity? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the way I see it, I mean, you can take vitamin K2 or you can get a filling, it seems like. Um, yeah, that definitely uh, makes sense. No, I, I loved the part, um, this might just be me, about um, when you were talking about the, you know, you weren't uh, Western Price's research about the deformity and the, I guess, the crowded teeth is the way to put it. Um, you know, I found that fascinating because if we, you know, um, n- most people, and, and you, you're talking about this in your book, just think if your teeth are crowded, it's because you need braces. But, um, you know, it looks like it can be prevented if you start, you know, um, early on, or I guess you can explain that a little better. Yeah, vitamin K2 seems to play an important role in widening the face. And so this helps make room for more teeth. And, you know, an important point that I want to make that I think when I wrote my book, the impression I was under and the impression I gave was that this is more or less formed by the time you're born. In other words, mom has to have K2 during pregnancy. But now I realize that and with some evidence that since the bones continue to grow and develop throughout adolescence and into the early 20s even, that by having enough K2 during that time, you can help to continue widen the face and, and ideally um, you know, prevent or avoid braces in many cases. But yeah, it makes a really big difference in the dental arch and um, how, the, how much room there is for the teeth to come in. Um. Yeah, the, the, I mean, I just, I love hearing that because um, there just seems to be, to me, something, um, and I'm sure dentists are going to hate me, but there's something unnatural with with having to have braces. Um, and, you know, our, our bodies are set up to take care of themselves, but I guess we need the right environment for that to happen. And and our environment isn't as natural as it was, so we're, we're missing those key components and having to rely on unnatural things like braces to correct what, what's happening. That's right. I mean, this isn't genetic. For example, needing braces is absolutely not genetic. We, genetically, we're programmed to have perfect teeth. 
But when we don't have the right kinds of nutrients through, you know, through nobody's fault or no fault of our own or or just not being aware, then uh, we're not going to reach that potential and there's going to be crowding. That's one one of the things that we see. And that's, that was a really interesting part of Weston Price's research is going and seeing, you know, populations full of people with beautiful, perfect teeth that didn't need orthodontists or, or dentists even. He was a dentist himself, but um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, the, the, the evidence was there. Um, so, I mean, I, I think we're making a good case for everybody to, to take vitamin K2 or at least get their grass-fed butter and eggs and have those in the morning. Um, so there's also, um, you talk about diabetes, which, you know, since we're talking about bone health and calcium, it, it doesn't even seem that that should be affected, but you do talk about that in your book. Can you explain how vitamin K helps with that? Yeah, and there's been even more research come out since I published the book to, to confirm and reiterate the same concepts that, interestingly, our bones produce this uh, protein, osteocalcin, which is for sure involved in, in bone health and bone metabolism. It's a vitamin K2-dependent protein, but it also seems to, strangely enough, have a role in insulin sensitivity. And so for that reason, it actually plays a role in diabetes. And studies have shown that K2 will help improve insulin sensitivity, so it, it does play a big role in diabetes. And we know that there's an, just an epidemic of type 2 diabetes upon us now. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure other factors play a role because there, there's you know, the food as well, but then there's the food. So we're talking about there's not enough vitamin K in our food and, and um, you know, we're malnourished and, and developing the insulin sensitivity, eating the sugar, and, and then we're going down this road. And it, it could make sense of why some people who are controlling their diet aren't able to turn that around because they're missing that vitamin K. That's right. Um, well, you know, many diabetics are obviously eating too many carbohydrates according to the, you know, typical standard recommended, um, you know, diabetes association kind of uh, prescription diets, but as well, the lack of nutrients, micronutrients and vitamin K2 is a really important one for insulin sensitivity. So you also mentioned um, dementia and Alzheimer's and actually it, it, in relationship to insulin and vitamin K. Can you explain that? Mm-hmm. There's a few mechanisms when it comes to uh, vitamin K2 and brain health, Alzheimer's prevention, for example. That's one. I mean, we know that Alzheimer's is sometimes now referred to as type 3 diabetes and that the effect of high blood sugar levels and insulin resistance really, really impacts the brain. So there is something there for sure. There are also other mechanisms that we don't understand, although we do know when we have vitamin K2 in adequate amounts in our diet, we will find it in brain tissue. And uh, so that speaks to its importance there. And it seems to help play a role in preventing the damage associated with ischemic episodes, so small areas of blood loss whether, or, or large ones, whether that be a stroke or a TIA, transient ischemic attack, or these ultra-micro-mini-strokes, which don't even produce any symptoms, they're not noticeable, but they can be damaging to brain cells. Vitamin K2 helps offset that damage. Um, yeah, it seems encouraging as well. I mean, every, like I said, everything we're talking about here is... Um, you know, what we're considering old age and things, you know, everybody's going to be affected by one of these at some point in their life. So the bone health, the diabetes, the, the dementia, or the fear of those, or a family member with those. I mean, this is how common these things are, and I, I don't think even if you talk about that, because everybody knows that, 
but to 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 realize that it could be you know as simple as we're just lacking the vitamin K is actually encouraging because these things that seem so out of control and so scary to a lot of people, um, you know, it, it just makes sense that. Um, or it's helpful to know that there's something that we can do to prevent and even turn them around. Absolutely. And, and, you know, as I was saying before, a lot of these things that we think of as inevitable or just a part of aging are frequently long-term nutrient deficiencies. That's pretty amazing. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with uh, Dr. Kate Rayom. She's the author of Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox, How a Little-Known Vitamin Could Save Your Life. And we'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Kate Rayom. She is the author of Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox. So, Dr. Kate, we talked um, in the last segment about some of the major, um, I I guess, symptoms and diseases that vitamin K can help with. Um, Is there anything else that, that it's important for? There are a number of things 
that I, I do include in the book, you know, children's health, fertility, especially men's uh, fertility. We know that vitamin K2 will help boost testosterone and sperm count levels, and there's more studies to come out to confirm that recently, as well as something I didn't write about in the book, but that has come up since, which is psoriasis. And I'm really amazed um, at what I've seen in that department. Even there's a, there's a website now called um, freedomfrompsoriasis.com, and it's simply this um, woman, Dakota, who shares her story of um, helping her lifelong psoriasis by taking vitamin K2. And many people have since followed suit. And so that is, has really been interesting to me. And, you know, the research around vitamin K2 is probably at a decade, if not two decades behind vitamin D, but it's coming. Um, yeah, I mean, it, that, that's pretty interesting as well, because psoriasis is um, an autoimmune disorder, and um, most people wouldn't assume that, you know, a simple vitamin could help with that. It's true, although it turns out that part of the mechanism that seems to be happening, you know, with those those scaly um, flakes that you get on the skin, is there's an inappropriate calcium regulation in the dermis and in the epidermis as well, and that's part of the mechanism there. So that could be why vitamin K2 seems to help with this condition. Um, K2 also has some natural anti-inflammatory properties. And so that may be part of it as well, but we have, you know, we've seen remarkable results with the K2 and the psoriasis. Well, and I think you also talk about, in your book, about it helping with rheumatoid arthritis, which is also an autoimmune illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's right. And so um, they're, they're, you're right, there is research around vitamin K2 and rheumatoid arthritis and helping with joint, preventing the joint destruction that we tend to see. And there's a few different mechanisms there, but it, yeah, you're right, it's implicated in a couple of autoimmune conditions. Um, so, um, you know, we're talking about how important this is, but of course, how do we know if we need it, aside from having, you know, um, atherosclerosis or bone density issue, is there a way that we can find out if our levels are okay before we reach that point where we're breaking a hip or we have heart disease? Unfortunately, right now there isn't. The research, you know, the tests being done for vitamin K2 levels are being used primarily in research and academic settings. They're not available through your doctor or through a clinician, for example. And that was the case, as we you know, may recall, with vitamin D about going back maybe 20 years. Um, so the tests are coming. Um, they, they will eventually be available. Right now, they're, you can't really get a test for it. Um, well, it's, you know, it's discouraging when it's so important, mm-hmm. but um, I think that a lot of vitamins do get ignored in that way as well. Um, but I'm not sure if this was in your book, but I've heard this before. You know, we're not actually deficient in pharmaceuticals and mm-hmm. the, the need for them to help the disease should, should be secondary um, to figure out if we are deficient in other things. Um, so if we have bone density issues, um, should we be trying vitamin K first? and seeing if that can help before we try the the medication for it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There are so many conditions like diabetes, for example, that are um, diet-related and and they're being treated with pharmaceutical medications, which you're right, we're not deficient in. (laughs) Um, So how do we know how to to dose vitamin K? What, What do we do if we're wanting to change this? Good question. Well, it's good to know that vitamin K2 is very safe and non-toxic. 
So you don't have to worry about overdosing. That's not to say that more is necessarily better. I think more is better to a certain point. Um, And we're trying to figure out exactly where that is at this point. The current clinical trials are using about 200 micrograms of vitamin K2, and this is what's called the MK7 form. We can get into that. 200 micrograms for bone density, and the ones for um, clearing um, arterial calcifications, uh, they're using about double that amount, about 400 micrograms. And so those are the, the ballpark numbers for, the, for dosing. Um, so you, sa- uh, you said um, what form? You said MK7. So are there mm-hmm. different forms of, of vitamin K that we should be looking out for? Yeah, in nature, vitamin K does come in, you know, naturally in a number of different forms, depending on whether it's from grass-fed animal foods or different types of fermented foods. The different bacteria produce different forms of K2. You don't have to worry about which form you're getting or having some of each, it's, as long as you're getting some. Uh, but when you look at purchasing supplements, you'll find two different forms on the shelves. There's an MK4 form and an MK7 form. They both work. They both have research behind them, uh, but there's a difference in terms of their dosing. I tend to move towards the MK7 form because it works well at a a a once-a-day dose and relatively small amounts, you know, these microgram doses I've been talking about. MK4 form, if you can get it, which is mostly in the U.S., also works, but you want to have it in higher amounts like um, 5 grams, you know, 5,000 micrograms, and ideally we'd be doing that three times a day. And, um, yeah, you have to take it typically multiple times a day. But, again, they both work and they both got research behind them. So um, it, if, we're, if we're starting to, to dose these, um, well, first, I, I just remember reading something in your book about the um, recommended daily allowance set in Canada wasn't quite right. Is there something going on there? Yeah, it just seems that Health Canada doesn't understand the difference between vitamin K2, which we're talking about, and vitamin K1, which is a blood clotting uh, vitamin that is normally found in green leafy vegetables, but the body tightly regulates that. And and for that reason, the amounts of vitamin K2 we can get are, are restricted to quite low doses, unlike in the U.S. where it's available in, in any amount you want because it is virtually non-toxic. Um, and so in Canada, that's another good reason why I tend to, to uh, direct people towards that MK7 form. Look for that on the label somewhere of the product that you're buying. might be in the fine print because it works well and you can get a good result in uh, quite a low dose. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense as well. Um, that, you know, to, to get, I mean, why wouldn't you want one that just works a little better anyway? <laughs> um, yeah. So when when we're... Um, dosing the vitamin K, though, um, should there be other things that we're taking as well um, so that, you know, if we just take vitamin D, we're not having the vitamin K and same as the calcium. Is, is there something that, is there a balance that we need there so that we're not causing more problems? There is a balance that we need. I mean, you, you again, because we've shown K2 is non-toxic, you just want to take that on its own. It's not going to be harmful. However, these things work better in combination. Definitely, if you're taking vitamin D, you really should be taking vitamin K2 with it because they complement one another in a number of ways. As far as calcium goes, I don't recommend calcium to just about anybody. Um, if you do absolutely have osteoporosis, a little bit of calcium, like 500 milligrams per day is plenty. If you don't have osteoporosis, you do not need to take calcium preventatively. It's not doing anything good for your bones, so you can just 
you know, skip that, save that altogether. Um, so that's, those are sort of some of the guidelines that I go by when it comes to these nutrients. So um, with the, I mean, some people are taking three times that calcium recommended dose that you just mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, and, and you're saying, of course, we don't need that. Now, is that because um, our body just isn't dealing with it properly or, or what, what's the, the thought there? Yeah, exactly. We we don't really metabolize it. That's why there's always so much talk about what's the right type of calcium and when should you take it and what should you take it with or avoid taking it with. And we just 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 cannot process and metabolize those whopping amounts of calcium. And like I said earlier, our body normally maintains pretty high and, and tightly controlled levels of calcium. So dumping lots of extra in there isn't going to do us a lot of good. So again, up to 500 uh, milligrams. And yes, that's that's in many cases a third of what your doctor's recommending. But you just don't need so much calcium. Well, it, it, well that does make sense. If we're getting, if calcium is causing all these problems in our in our body, we need you know, more of the vitamin K that's going to help us deal with that. We're also, we're getting it through food. I think most, most people are, you know, and uh, um, to, to also supplement that, we're probably even getting way more than what you're even saying you recommend and, and causing more problems. Agreed. It's really easy to get calcium in through our diet. Magnesium is a different story. It's more challenging to, to do that, and magnesium deficiency is common, and as a nutrient, we need another one to make sure our, our calcium is metabolized properly. Um, and so, and I do often recommend a supplement of that to almost everybody, um, as opposed to calcium, but that, uh, yeah, they work quite differently in that way. So what's the importance of magnesium? Oh, it's so many things. It's it's an anti-stress mineral. It lowers blood pressure. It relaxes our muscles. It uh, is good for heart health. So studies have shown that people with a higher intake of magnesium have less calcium buildup as well in their arteries. It complements vitamin K2 in a number of ways. Um, so many ways that it drives me crazy that I can't figure out the exact mechanism <laughs> where they're, how they're related. But they uh, they sure do, do seem to complement one another. Okay. So um, uh, you also mentioned vitamin A in your book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, vitamin A. This is a nutrient that I feel like has been unfairly demonized and, and villainized as, as popular as vitamin D has been. And there's so much good news and good press, good feelings about vitamin E. Somehow vitamin A has got the opposite end of that effect and people are down on vitamin A. And yet it is a nutrient that is just as important as vitamin D. It, it has its roles. Um, and it, there is a relationship here. So vitamin D, as I said before, helps us absorb calcium. K2 will put it in and out of the right places in the body, and vitamin A will then help the body remove calcium when we need it to. And I think for that reason, vitamin A got a bad rap because people were like, oh, remove calcium. We don't want to remove calcium. But sometimes it is appropriate to remove calcium. When it's coming out of your arteries, you, we don't conveniently just you know, deposit it into our bones. We need to take that out of the body. So vitamin A will be important for that as well. Plus, it's important for our immune system, and um, it's just really been uh, very much misunderstood. So, if we're um, looking at at all of this, I mean, you're mentioning all these vitamins, wouldn't it just be as good to take a multivitamin? It may be if you can find a multivitamin that has you know worthwhile amounts of these nutrients. Many multivitamins nowadays don't have preformed vitamin A. That's not that common. Most of them don't have vitamin K2. I do like a multi for people to take that for 
mostly for the, the micro-minerals in particular and the B vitamins. But when it comes to these fat-soluble vitamins, I have yet to see one that has a really good um, combination. So do you give people a multivitamin and then supplement the, you know, the vitamin D and the K on, the, um, on top of that? Usually I do, unless I can get them to eat specific foods. I mean, vitamin D, it's, it's really you know, not in food, so that, the supplement is, is required. If I can get people to eat a weekly serving of organic liver, then they don't need a vitamin A supplement, but not everybody's on board with that. And uh, certain <laughs> foods, um, you know, if you're regularly eating natto, which is a Japanese fermented soybean food, then you won't need a vitamin K2 supplement, but also even fewer people are on board with that. So, so then, yes, I usually do. Uh, use supplements for that reason. Um, I, I love I loved your little story about about natto and and mm-hmm. uh, you know you you got very excited about finding it and uh, and making it and then tried very hard to like it. <laughs> tried and, to try. And, I'm still sort of still trying. Um, natto. So this is good news, by the way, for for vegans, people following a plant based diet. Natto happens to be the number one highest known food in vitamin K two. And it's completely plant-based, so um, that's good news. The flavor is, is you know, something else. <laughs> and uh, but I do encourage people to try it because I'm always surprised at the number of people who try natto and like it right off the bat. Um, you know, I wasn't one of those, and I, I still sort of struggle with it more the texture, really. But it is super nutritious. I can tell you that. <laughs> Well, it, it um, I, I looked up pictures of it when I was reading it in your book, and it, it actually looks like macaroni and cheese with very stringy cheese. With very stringy, yes, it gets into very fine, fine stringy strands. Um, and and how do people find that? Like I said, I'm always surprised at the number of people who don't mind it and and like it right off the bat. Uh, for me, it was the, the more of the challenge was the texture, that slippery, sticky, slimy sort of texture of it. But then there's others in Japan. That's what it's prized for. They they love that texture, and so it really is an individual preference. Um, and where where do people find it? Is it something easy to find? It can be a challenge to find depending on where you're living. Um, you know, a good Asian grocery store would probably have natto in the freezer section. Still, um, it won't be, you know, it, the writing will all be in Chinese, or excuse me, Japanese. You won't um, be able to read that. So um, it is a challenge for people to find, or some people are buying the culture online or, or buying it online, and um, either the beans or the culture and making it up themselves. than taking the the supplement of the vitamin K. Pardon me. If somebody did did enjoy natto, would they still? Because um, it's very high in vitamin K, if I remember from your book, would yeah. they be able to avoid taking the supplement if they're consuming natto? A if you're amount? having natto, I would say twice a week. You don't need a vitamin K two supplement. Okay. Um, so if they can find it and they like it and they have it twice a week. <laughs> And even if they don't like it, I know some people have written to me and said, hey, I don't like natto, but I've been eating it regularly since I read your book. And I just had a, for example, artery scan, and, and I've got completely clear arteries at the age of, you know, 65 with a long family history of uh, heart disease, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and, and is there an argument between trying to get our vitamins through food as opposed to taking a supplement if we can do that? Um, they're for sure usually, well, they're, they're, there's talk of that, and, and uh, I do like the idea of that. When it comes to vitamin K2, we need to do a lot more testing to find more foods that are high in vitamin K2. Other ones that we know of are certain cheeses, brie, 
Gouda, and Jarlsberg now we know are high in vitamin K2. And so when it comes to K2, the foods that we know of are so limited um, that a supplement does become really handy. Okay, especially if we're not having the natto. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so when, I mean, we, we spoke about the, the, the symptoms that, that can um, come from a vitamin K or that vitamin K can help, but a lot of those silently creep up on us. So when people take vitamin K, do they notice a difference in how they feel or is it just in testing that they say, oh, my arteries are clear or that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. It generally isn't one of those nutrients where people will take it and see or feel a difference that, like, that you will with, with some. Uh, the two places where people will notice is, well, three actually. So in, in the mouth, a lot of people will say, oh, my, you know, my plaque is clearing off my teeth and a decrease in dental sensitivity. I'm convinced if you've got sensitive teeth and we see the commercials for these, you know, sensitive toothpaste all the time, that this is simply a K2 deficiency problem and that should clear up. As well, some people will notice an improvement in their varicose veins. This is an area where you can actually see from the outside of the body what vitamin K2 can be doing. And so, um, so those are areas. Now, if you don't have concerns around of, of any of those areas and you're taking K2, you may not notice or be able to see or feel what it's doing for you. Um, well, you know, that makes sense, although I think we could all use a little help with our, our dental area just as that prevention, but, the, mm-hmm. you know, we may not notice that. And uh, knowing what, what it does definitely makes sense to, um, you know, to, to add that into our regime, especially when we're doing the few other preventative things that, that most people pick up from the health food store. Just adding vitamin K into that regime is inexpensive and can change a lot in our health things. Yeah, and we and it's it's safe. It's non toxic. We know the deficiency is widespread, so you've really got nothing to lose. The only thing to be aware of is for people who are taking warfarin. Ultimately, people on that type of blood thinner, you, you don't really benefit from the K2 when you're taking it. Uh, any other type of blood thinner, though, the non warfarin types, you know, Plavix, Effiant, Prodaxa, what have you, those are fine, and you will still benefit from the K2. Okay. Well, thank you for mentioning that. Now, is there any way that people can get a hold of you or your book if they want more information? Sure. Well, my book's available on all of the online uh, book retailers, and they can reach me at www.drkatendfornaturopathicdoctor.com. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I, I encourage everybody to pick up your book. It is a, it's easy to read. It's straightforward and could definitely change your, your health. So, so pick it up and, um, and have it. It's, it's, a, it's a good read. So thank you, Dr. Kate, for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you, Rebecca. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Today we were talking with Dr. Kate Rayom, and we're discussing the book um, Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox. Thank you so much and be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.